just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, Utah's 45-day legislative session starts on January 17th, and freshman Senator Nate Bluen is lacing up his sneakers to represent a pretty big chunk of the valley, from Sugar House to Murray. I asked him what's on his agenda and how he plans to follow through. It's Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Senator Nate Bluen, you are a freshman in the legislature this year. What's on your get ready for the general session playlist? Or what's your mirror mantra? Like, how are you hyping yourself up? Yeah, I, well, lately I've been doing lots of backcountry skiing. So <laughs> I am uh, trying to clear my head out by, you know, going out there and enjoying all the fresh snow we've got. Uh, you know, my playlist is always all over the place. It's usually, you know, just something to keep me motivated. Yeah. I'm a big runner, big uh, indoor cyclist these days when it's cold out and I can't go outdoors. So, you know, electronic stuff that uh, that keeps me moving. But <laughs> just trying to keep the head straight and um, clear at this point with uh, 13 days to go before session. So the snow has been amazing. Yeah. Well, on a slightly more serious note, I mean, I am always incredibly anxious before the legislative session. A lot happens in 45 days, and it sometimes feels like a the train leaves the station before you even know it. I think a lot about that scene in The Devil Wears Prada where Stanley Tucci is like, gird your loins. Like, that's me. Are you anxious? Oh, absolutely. I am. I am very anxious. I'm excited. I'm anxious, you know, not having done this before. You know, we finished campaigning less than two months ago. And so it's it's not a lot of time to do everything I would have liked to have done. I, I'm really looking forward to like next year already, you know, mm. with how fast session is and being able to strategize and, and pull all the stakeholders I want into the room and, and that sort of thing. And um, so this year, I, I think it is really a, a year to build relationships and try to set a good tone for things and understand how things work and how I'm going to move forward after this. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but definitely definitely nervous. I mean, I think uh, I think that's natural. Well, you brought up relationship building. And I think it's no secret that, you know, when you're a Democrat in the Republican supermajority legislature, you can basically play one of two roles. Either you work across the aisle, you try and pass bills that are palatable to Republicans, or you be a disruptor. What kind of Democrat are you going to be? Yeah, I'm going to try to do both. I mean, I think there's okay. a, I think there's a place for both. I think it is very important to work with the folks up there. We've advanced really important issues in the past. I mean, my colleague Stephanie Pitcher passed bail reform, I think, in one of her first terms in the in the state house, and you yeah, know, she'll be true. moving up to the Senate. So we've gotten some really great things done, and and I think there's plenty of room for that. And I certainly don't want to come away with with nothing. And so I think trying to build relationships, you know, I've uh, I guess developed a bit of a 
uh, rivalry on Twitter with with Senator Weiler, uh, which has not at all transformed into the real life. We've you know gotten to know each other well, and um, yeah. and I think we respect each other. And, and I'm looking forward to building those relationships with more folks, and hopefully having con- tough conversations. I mean, they're not they're not always going to be easy, and we're not always going to agree. In fact, we're we're probably not going to agree all that much on some of the policy issues. But what I've gathered and what I've kind of heard and um, my experience is is that you know if you stay focused on the issues don't attack people, don't call names. Um, you know, there's a place for hard debate on things. And, and so I think you can be loud and you can stand up for the issues you care about, as well as trying to work across the aisle. And I'm going to do my best to to be truthful and, and approach things from a factual perspective, you know, try to bring some data and compassion to the conversation and, you know, not, not get in any personal fights with people. I think that's something we could all use less of in our lives. Yeah. Well, you brought up um, Stephanie Pitcher, representative at the time, Pitcher passing a bail reform bill, which is like pretty big accomplishment. I think a lot of people would read that as like a pretty progressive issue. How do you measure success when you're playing chess and checkers? Like, is it <laughs> is it getting something that's kind of sexy like that through? I don't think it has to be. I mean, I think that's that's amazing. Yeah, if you can if you can pull that off, I think that's huge. And I, I'm hoping. You know, my expertise is in the energy area and Utah certainly has our needs from a climate and energy and and air quality and water perspective. So there are big things that I would love to get done uh, in the future. You know, this year, like I said, I think it's going to be more of a try to advance a couple of important issues to me, hopefully, you know, get a bill or two passed, but more than anything, build relationships. Um, But, you know, I think there is there's plenty of room for smaller things. You know, I have some um, some issues that I think are still important, but that maybe are, are less divisive or more niche issues that are still going to help people out in their daily lives. So I think you can you can definitely try and do both things. And, and I think they're both successes. You know, it's just a matter of which one you want to pursue, you know, in any given year. Mm-hmm. Can you name some of those? Yeah. So one of the one of the issues I want to work on, I was uh, told about identification cards for folks who aren't U.S. citizens. And they have a disclaimer essentially on them, in my understanding, that says they can't be used for a variety of, of things. Their driver's licenses, but you can't use them for official government purposes. So the one instance that uh, uh, not a constituent, but, you know, uh, someone that lives in Utah, relayed to me was that her mother had one of these cards and tried to pick up her prescription and they wouldn't allow her to use this identification card to pick up her own prescription. And so, you know, it's not a gigantic issue that's going to affect a ton of people, but I think for the people it does impact something like that, where you can make a little change to this, the wording on an identification card and let someone just go about their lives, you know, pick up their prescription or, or deal with other services. I think things like that are are super critical. So that's something I'm looking forward to working on. Definitely some affordable housing type issues I'm really excited about. Clearly, we need more affordable housing, more opportunities for people to purchase homes. So that's something I'm looking at. And then again, looking at some energy issues, I think it's going to be a tough session on energy issues, though. So I've got to figure out how how to navigate that while we have some divisive conversations on tangential stuff. Well, I mean, you're going to be one of the few millennial lawmakers on the Hill. You're replacing one of the longest serving legislators, Senator Gene Davis. And I think this thing happens when you are a young, fresh face, which is a lot of people are probably putting a lot of expectations on you, right? Like you are a millennial. That's exciting. What do you think that young people in your district want you to accomplish in basically a gerontocracy of the (laughs) Capitol? 
Yeah, I mean, I think people want to feel represented and they want to feel heard. And so to me, it's being accessible. It is being available. I'm easy to find on social media, which I think goes a long way with millennials and, and younger crowds. And I think that is, that's hugely important, just people feeling like they don't have access to their representatives, like they don't get responses or they don't know who is representing them. I, that's something I heard a lot of concerns about. People didn't know who their senator or their representative was in the state legislature. And so yeah. trying to be more visible, I think, is a, a huge thing that's uh, maybe overlooked in Utah. It's, you know, it goes beyond just the policies you can pass, but it's also about giving people a voice up there about constituent services. You know, I've already had people reaching out about issues with, with rental payments and, and rental relief and things like that. So yeah. trying to help people through some of those processes with state agencies. And this obviously this goes for anyone. This doesn't just go for millennials. Anyone should, yeah. should feel free to reach out. I love to talk and I love to hear from people. But I think, you know, some of those folks who have not been all that politically engaged in the past, but, you know, maybe you're active on Twitter or Instagram or, or whatever, um, they might see more of me. And, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, so they can figure out who, uh, who to reach out to and, and who is advocating for the issues they care about. Cause I think it's, it's hard to figure out, you know, if you're interested in environmental issues or in issues for renters, then, uh, you don't always know who to turn to. It's tough. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I want to make sure they have a voice up there and, and an ally. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you wanna learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Well, and that is one of the chronic issues with our 45-day legislative session is that on a lot of these issues, we get mad too late, right? Like, 
people don't get super engaged in the summer when a lot of plans are being laid and whatnot. But I think one of the coolest things about being a legislator, aside from, you know, the actual legislation that you can have a hand in, is just being a public resource, like being able to point people in the direction of information or resources. So Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that's that's what I try to do on my social media feeds is highlight issues that are important to me or that I think are important to the community and uh, resources, you know, rental relief programs that can help people live, you know, comfortable and prosperous lives, I guess. Yeah. So that's that's underrated. Well, I want to talk about Salt Lake County in particular, which is, you know, most of your district, all of your district is in Salt Lake County, right? Yeah, it's all you don't Salt go Lake County. South yep. Yeah. Nope. So you're representing a chunk of Salt Lake County and there's always this weird Salt Lake Utah power play tension <laughs> that happens during the legislative session, especially around, of course, local control. And sometimes the state likes to flex its muscles into local affairs. I'm thinking about, for example, like last legislative session, it felt like priority number one was overruling on the county's mask mandate. Now that you're repping Salt Lake County, what's the biggest issue in your community that you think the legislature should be addressing instead of local government? Yeah, well, I think there are some places that the legislature should exercise some influence over local control. So Mm -hmm. those things like zoning to help us create more affordable housing in a bit more uh, evenly dispersed way. You know, right now we see these big concentrations in certain areas and that tends to make some people nervous, I will say. So I think the legislature could do a lot there to kind of reframe that conversation and maybe take some of the pressure off of local officials. You know, I know they don't want to give up any of their local control. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to trade some of the things we've overruled them on back in exchange for getting involved on zoning. You know, I think cities, for example, should be able to, you know, enact rent control or plastic bag bans and, and things like that that the legislature has told them they can't do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think there's, there are so many issues that we should be focused on rather than taking power away from our cities and and counties. To me, the probably most pressing issue that I want to see focus on is, is water and the Great Salt Lake. Uh, I mean, it's obviously, it's all over the news. Everyone's talking about it uh, for good reason. And I think we've done a lot of good work. Last year, there was I think dozens of bills passed aimed at redirecting water to the lake. But my understanding is that it's going to take years for those, you know, potentially a decade for many of those things to take uh, impact. And having talked to scientists, you know, that know these issues far better than I do, they're worried about this year. I mean, they're not worried about 10 years. They're they're worried about what happens if we don't get water back in the lake this year. And we, you know, I look outside and I see all the snow. We, We might be avoiding the absolute worst interim impact, but it's, it remains to be seen if we keep having a good winter or not. And so I, we, we can't bank on that. And so um, I think we need solutions that are going to really get water into the lake in the coming months, not in, in the coming decades. And, and so that would be a huge focus of mine is trying to open up those conversations. I think we need to be honest about, um, you know, where, where water is being used. So I, I want to see a larger conversation there. Yeah. Well, and the lake seems like an issue. I mean, like most recently with Speaker Brad Wilson saying that the lake deserves a water right kind of mind blowing. Yeah. It does awesome. seem like an issue where there's going to be a lot of opportunity for collaboration. Yeah. I'm hoping we get that, those opportunities. Cause I know, you know, myself and I think 
probably every other Democrat up there would love to be involved in those conversations. You know, even if it's not leading them, we, we want to be updated. I mean, this is our backyard. These are our lungs that are going to be dealing with the impact of arsenic coming off the lake and, and all sorts of other concerns that I've heard from the people that are studying this stuff. So I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we want to be involved. We want to have a voice. And, uh, and I, I applaud all the work that has been done, all the advocacy the governor's done and, and Senate and, uh, and House leadership. I think that's, that's all great. So I, I definitely want to be part of that conversation. And um, I think uh, I think we all do. So that's hopefully going to keep moving forward. Yeah. I can never shake this feeling during the legislative session that I'm always trying to figure out if being a, a Democrat from Salt Lake County at the Utah legislature is a threat or an opportunity. What do you think? Like, does it put a target on your back? Well, maybe. I mean, I, I did have my tires slashed a few months ago in my no in my way. driveway, and uh, a yard sign pulled out, and, and no one else had any issues with their cars. So I, you know, I can't say for sure that was political, but it it seems pretty likely. So yeah. maybe there's a target on on my back. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't felt that way. I think it's an opportunity. I think Utah's demographics are changing. They're going to keep changing. We are still growing. Personally, I think growth is great. I like the growth we're seeing. I think it brings in new people, more diversity. I think we've got some huge opportunities coming in the future as, as Democrats in Utah. We've got to invigorate people. We've got to give, give people some hope. That's why I say, you know, I think it's it's great to move uh, some of the small stuff forward, but it's also it's at the same time, I think we can get people excited. And um, especially it's it's all about representing the districts that we represent. I mean, my district is a progressive district. I was elected with 73% of the vote, I think. And yeah. so I'm, I'm going to be a progressive uh, leader at the Capitol for sure. It doesn't mean I have to scream and yell all the time. And hopefully that gets people excited. And, you know, there are other districts that are more competitive than mine that um, I think I welcome moderates from either party to join the conversation. So I think there's a lot of hope for me that as as the state changes, we're going to see more competitive races, hopefully more more fair political districts in the future. That's a, a dream of mine for <laughs> post-2030. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I see lots of opportunity there. Senator Nate Bluen, good luck. Or should I say break a leg? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the session. Another freshman senator from Salt Lake this session is Dr. Jennifer Plum. If she wasn't on your ballot, you might know her as the co-founder of Utah Naloxone. Naloxone is the life-saving drug that can reverse an opioid overdose. And by the way, if you don't have any in your house, there's an episode of CityCast Salt Lake for you. I linked our audio guide to identifying opioid overdoses and administering naloxone in the show notes. But back to Senator Dr. Plum. She's already getting after it with a bill this year to legalize fentanyl testing strips. Under current Utah law, they are considered drug paraphernalia. We will see if her bill, SB 86, can find a floor sponsor and some bipartisan support. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.